to another episode of the Kenyan Wall Street Podcast. My name is Ali Mwakaneno and I'll be your host today. So in today's show, we have Nuru Mugambi, who is the Director of Communication and Public Affairs at the Kenyan Bankers Association. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something about Nuru. So Nuru has helped to shape the Kenyan's banking industry. As the Director of Public Affairs and the Lead on Sustainable Finance at KBA, he has spearheaded strategic initiatives aimed at reinforcing the industry's role of being a co-driver of Kenya's sustainable economic development. Our contributions towards policy formulation have led the industry towards adopting numerous progressive practices, particularly in sustainable finance, gender diversity, and consumer protection. In 2015, Nuru became the youngest female to earn the Fellow of Kenya Institute of Bankers. And in 2016, she was recognized by the Eisenhower Fellowship Program and the US President Barack Obama as an emerging African leader. Nuru is the co-host of a Kenya Bankers Association conference known as Leading Women in Bank Leading Women in Banking Finance. It's a regional conference that puts together women and men from all over Africa to talk about gender diversity in the banking industry. So tell me, Nuru, where are we in terms of gender representation in leadership in the Kenyan banking sector? I think it's a very important conversation around why we need to promote diversity, not only within the financial services sector, but just generally overall within our, our economic structure. I think whenever we talk about diversity and whenever we talk about gender diversity in particular, everyone says, oh, but why are you talking about it? Women are finally equal to men. You guys went to Beijing and since Beijing, you know, there's equality. But when you actually look at the numbers, the numbers tell a different story. In Kenya, for example, women are outnumbered by men four to one. That means for every four men on a board within the Nairobi Securities Exchange, you will find one woman. And this statistic replicates itself around the world. In fact, actually, Kenya it performs better in terms of gender inclusivity at the board level, especially on listed companies compared to other countries, especially the developed world. I think it's always good to recognize what we are doing well. So as much as men outnumber women four to one on Kenyan boards, uh, we find that globally, Kenya is actually doing better than countries such as the United States, Japan, Switzerland. So we rank probably third or fourth after Norway and Finland, France, in terms of board diversity of listed companies. So that means we are on the right track within the decision-making levels, particularly at the C-suite level. In fact, banks fall kind of behind in Kenya, for example, when it comes to leadership diversity. There are other sectors like telcos, the retail sector, even the energy sector is doing a bit better when it comes to leadership diversity and gender parity. So when we look at the management level and above, manager, director, vice president level, managing director, CEO, and board level, you realize that we have not realized gender parity. And there are lots of studies around why gender parity is important for financial institutions. Goldman Sachs last month came out with a study that kind of showed that women managed investment firms actually outperformed their male peers. And this research has been found over the past several years. So it's really important to really understand why is it that women-led 
investment firms are doing better. And when the researchers looked a little bit deeper, they found that it's the type of decision making that women are known for. And I think it's one of those things of our inherent abilities, but also it's about how we are socialized. Okay. So these attributes that we know that women have intuition, creativity, resilience, emotional intelligence, these are all God given abilities that we have as the female gender. So when we bring that to the decision-making table, it helps create a more diverse and and a more comprehensive decision-making process. Women are also conveners. We like to consult and we like to convene and we tend to be less risk-averse. And these attributes actually have helped several investment firms really perform well and also meet their expectations on return on investment for for their investors and shareholders. So what we are trying to do as a banking industry is really ventilate the need the more comprehensive and a higher quality of decision-making and how we get there at the leadership level, Ali. You know, I love that you talked about the Goldman study. I'd like us to localize this discussion a little bit. And what do you think African banks and financial institutions will unlock by creating more inclusive spaces for both women in the workplace and women in the leadership position. So Kenya Institute of Management and uh, New Faces, New Voices, which is part of the Grasha Michelle Trust, conducted a research uh, in 2017. And this was building on a research that New Faces, New Voices did a year before, and then building further on a research that Kim, Kenya Institute of Management, did years now before. So it's like more of three or four years of research was analyzed. And when you look at the financial performance, particularly also within the financial sector, you find that return on assets and return on investment is improved with the more diverse sports. So we really want to encourage that insight within the sector. I want to talk a little bit about the Kenya Bankers Association and how is KBA advocating for diversity? That insight uh, within the sector. In leadership and in the banking industry helpful is the Leading Women in Banking and Finance Initiative. It has helped bring together senior women within the sector to support them from a capacity building, leadership capacity building process. And at the same time, it's helping keep the conversation of gender diversity on the table just to help address this issue of unconscious biases. We all have biases that we are aware of, but we also have unconscious biases. So by really engaging and continuously keeping this conversation on the table, we've been able to help promote diversity. And actually we've seen more diversity coming through within the industry. We're seeing more senior women engaging at the KBA, which is the industry level, which is excellent. When I started this initiative back in 2015, Nazim Devji and myself were the only women in the room when it came to industry level decision-making meetings. And I remember telling Nazim, we can't be the only women in the room. This is not acceptable. So from that, we then started, we created a cohort of CEOs that were supporting women. A few women got appointed, so we co-opted them. We engaged with the central bank deputy governor, Mbijewe, and then we quickly moved forward to start this initiative to support women. We held a conference that was supported by the Ministry of Finance. So yes, so we really tried to convene a forum of supporting women. Okay. And I think we're beginning to see the fruits of it uh, within the sector. And now that you've talked about the progress of the conference, I am curious, um, what is uh, the picture that you as uh, one of the co-founders of the conference is looking at for what you'd call the achievement of this conference towards gender equality 
what's the end goal and what's the vision? Great, thanks. So the first conference we had was in 2016 and it was a Kenya only conference and banking sector only conference. But then I went on my Eisenhower fellowship and I was challenged because you realize that banking doesn't operate in a silo. It is part of a broader financial system. And it's and just because we're in Kenya doesn't mean our activity and interaction is only within the confines of our border and our boundaries. So I then took the very ambitious decision to make it an Africa-wide conference. And I proceeded to stalk many speakers. <laughs> and I'm just thankful that we've got wonderful roster of amazing men and women to accept to support this conference. Our speakers represent 10 different countries. Right now, as we speak, over 500 people have registered for the conference and it's a month away. So we really expect that it's gonna be very successful. And it will realize its objective of making Africa closer, making the financial services sector, especially women within the financial services sector, bringing us closer together. So we can continue this conversation and keep gender diversity, both from an internal perspective and an external perspective on the table. So the first one was in 2016. Uh, I thought it's an annual, an annual event. It's first annual, yeah. Okay. So like, yes. what are some of the discussions that my listeners can look forward to in the upcoming regional conference on the 15th and the 16th of October? So what was interesting, Ali, is that we were planning this event for May before COVID happened. And it was actually supposed to be a wonderful event uh, in Indiana. And our attendees and speakers were so excited to be coming to Kenya, to be on the beach in Miami and dating and networking and drinking a little bit of wine. But now with COVID, <laughs> we had to repurpose the event. I took the position actually in March that we're going to make it an, an online event, even before we knew how COVID would unfold. I just felt that the world is not going to be ready so quickly to have a face-to-face -face forum. So true to form, we, we've kept it as an online event. It's happening next month, October 15th and 16th. And the program is curated in a way where you have two objectives. One, to really help the attendees have a higher level of insight in terms of where the financial sector is now and for the next five to 10 years. So we're really projecting, we're casting a long horizon to help leaders and emerging leaders within finance banking and finance really understand how to navigate and that was even the vision before covid so when covid happened we then just incorporated that theme within what we were planning to do anyway so one of the topics is around the fourth industrial revolution and what that mean for finance of course covid is accelerating the fourth industrial revolution so we're going to talk about that dynamic other conversations are really about just practical management skills so things around emotional intelligence things about take how to engage with your teams through storytelling and being more of a strategic and transformational leader so it's really two pillars of insight and then practical management lastly Nuru, as we finish i understand that you served in the national treasury task force on the sme finance that was working yes. to establish the country's first sme credit guarantee fund Yes. And I also understand that you're the chairperson of the Eisenhower Fellowships in Kenya, right? Yes. yes. So as a woman who has led this and other positions, what is some of the advice that you would give young women who are looking to scale the corporate sector? 
Yeah, you know, I think we make a mistake when we see people in certain positions and we think that either they were born that way or it's luck. And if you've read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, he talks about how many hours it takes a professional swimmer to become a professional, how many, the, the amount of time. And sometimes we forget the seconds and the minutes that add up to the person's achievement. So we see Bill Gates and we think, oh, how lucky was he? He was not lucky. He actually happened to be born in the right family. He lived in the right neighborhood. His parents enabled him. Bill Gates could probably not be Bill Gates without his parents and where he lived and possibly because he's Caucasian. We need to really understand that people are an evolution and their end result is both through internal and external forces. So I would say to young women that we should not look at other people and, and either envy or wish to be like them because we all have different paths and our path will help guide where we end. And I think we need to definitely invest in our individual efforts, but we should not discount the whole, the environmental aspect, how we engage with, with colleagues and friends, how we engage with society overall. I'm a big believer in just going beyond your mandate to really create value for society and the economy. We shouldn't just show up at the job and think that my boss is the only person I need to please. We need to please ourselves. The Bible says we need to work like we're working for God, you know? So we need to kind of see things a bit more broader and be a little bit more passionate. It shouldn't just be about the paycheck. And that has always been my guiding my guiding light. I work for God, I work for excellence, and it served me well. And I believe those efforts are paying fruit. That is very, that is very inspiring. I'm curious to, to learn your 10,000 hours in, in a separate discussion apart from this. <laughs> I don't, it's not in swimming though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, guys, it's, this is it for today's discussion. To learn more on what the e-conference is about, please visit www.africaleadingwomen.com. You're going to find more information on the speakers and you also get to sign up for the conference. It's going to be on the 15th and the 16th of October next month. Thank you for joining today's podcast and goodbye. <laughs>